our gospel this week. Uh, if you would like to follow along, you can scan that QR code and find it that way. It comes from the first chapter of the book of Mark, again, for the multiple weeks in a row. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and a spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The gospel of our Lord. Here's the thing. There are two facts about this um, particular reading today. The first one is that Mark leaves us with nothing. Um, There's two sentences. Jesus went to the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. Say more. 40 days is a long time for two sentences. The other fact um, is that we have skipped this in our nice progression of, of Jesus being baptized at the beginning of Mark's gospel and then calling the disciples and all of the conversations we've had for the last several weeks. We actually moved past this little text at the beginning of the gospel of Mark and now we are coming back. At the beginning of Lent, at this time of reflection and centering, we are digging into what I think is probably the moment at the beginning of Mark's gospel where we are called out. There are lots of moments where evil is called out, where the work that God is doing is called out, but we in this moment um, are called out in this brief little few sentences about where the Spirit leads Jesus after his baptism. Now, every single week um, we pray this prayer and we say, lead us not in temptation, deliver us from evil. Sound familiar, I hope? It's like no, 10 o'clock, everyone should be nice and awake. And then we have this reading where Jesus is spoken to by God, saying, this is my son, the beloved, with you I'm well pleased. And immediately God's spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And we have these words like temptation and Satan. We think of evil. We think of, of being in a desolate place. It seems as if the thing that God's spirit is leading Jesus to is exactly the thing that we pray each and every week not be the case in our own lives. And it's a little incongruent. It doesn't make sense to me. And so I feel like it's a good thing to dig into, to ask this question, why and what is going on in these two short sentences with Jesus out in the wilderness. But first, has anyone truly been in the wilderness? Like maybe backcountry counts or a little more. Anyone? One person this ice climbed her way to the middle of nowhere, two people. I mean, if wilderness is like no Starbucks for 40 miles, you have not been in the wilderness. Um, if wilderness is no cell phone reception, that could be like driving up to Hanover. Um, this is wilderness as a place where there is no visible, discernible connection to other people or you're lost in our own thoughts. I mean, we'll get here, I think, in a minute, but um, have you ever been in that wilderness of a place or time in life? Uh, Maybe you were surrounded by all the people and stuff and distractions of the world, but you were stuck in your own mind and thoughts 
a, a barren place, a struggling place, trying to make sense of what to do and what all this means. But I think that wilderness we can certainly relate to. And sometimes they even smash up. I aired the story this week. Uh, it was about a guy. He's, he's American, but he married a, a Swiss woman, and he was in Switzerland. And you're allowed to work um, if you're married to um, someone who's Swiss. And so he was looking for a job, but they're also very hard to come by in Switzerland. Tiny little place. A lot of people. They all have things to do. Um, and so he was looking through all of these job opportunities, and he saw a, a wanted ad for a night shepherd. It is exactly what you think. Um, it is the person who watches the sheep at night. Um, the trick being, um, this particular night shepherd was to follow all the sheep up into the Alps, to live in the Alps for 90 days with this flock of sheep and to keep them safe from wolves. Um, he made the point a little ways into this um, conversation he was having that um, the wolf population of Montana is similar to the wolf population and size of Switzerland, except Switzerland is teeny tiny and Montana is nice and big. Um, so you can imagine the challenge of being this night shepherd. And then um, he answers the wanted ad. He thinks, well, I mean, I need a job. We'll see where this goes. Um, they are shocked and surprised that someone has answered this ad. They get back to them. They say, no one has ever done this before. We've never had a night shepherd. We never allow the sheep to go up into the Alps this time of year when the wolf population is out and doing their wolf thing. Um, but we want to try it. And so we invented this job and we thought, who's going to apply for it? And here you are. Um, he was not able to bring his wife. He had to leave her for 90 days um, and trek up into the Alps with all these sheep. Um, he asked them, well, what am I supposed to do? They said, we don't know. Um, you have to invent this job. It's up for you to figure out what needs to be done and how you're going to do it. And they gave him some high-tech fun tools like drones with infrared cameras to search at night in the darkness to see where predators might lie. Um, and they gave him this hut that has to be helicoptered in along with everything else that you might possibly need up into the Alps, dropped in a, a flat spot while the sheep graze around it. Um, he said his little hut was helicoptered to five different locations during this time watching the sheep, this 90-day period of time. He had to, before he left, figure out all the things that you need to live for 90 days and how you're going to keep them all going. He had like a little dorm room fridge and a solar panel and his tiny little like 100-square-foot hut. Um, so think of all the like canned goods and, and supplies that you need. And of course, he wanted to take his dog. Um, so you also need 90 days worth of dog food and, and all of the stuff that you might need to take care of any little medical things that pop up. I mean, just mentally preparing to go into the wilderness is a lot more involved than just quick swoosh, here you are. Um, so then I'm listening to the story. It's fascinating. I mean, just all of the, the adventures and the beauty and the challenges and all the details that go along with watching all of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep wandering the Alps um, from your little vantage point of this tiny little hut with your cameras and your drones, just trying to figure out when it's going to happen. And he said he actually made it through most of the summer. Um, thought he was home free. Like, oh, easiest job ever. I got this little beautiful retreat. I didn't have to really do anything. Just being a person is enough to sort of keep the wolves away from the flock. Um, and then one night it happened, and I won't go into any details, but suffice it to say, uh, a lamb was found by a wolf. And, and I'm thinking, you know, oh, this is where the climax is. This is where the story is supposed to lead to. Um, but it really was pretty, nah, like, that's, 
what wolves do. That's the danger of being a young, vulnerable lamb, right? The, the lamb was not eaten, it was left. And um, the way that this works in Switzerland is you are not allowed to um, shoot or kill a wolf unless it attacks livestock. And then you are given permission. And so the federal game warden had to come up and measure and say, yeah, it looks like a wolf's tooth size. And, and whatever wolf is happens to be in this area now is able to be tracked and hunted. The predator becomes the prey. We've, some of us have been in places where livestock are threatened and it's a not pretty thing, but this is the way it works in life. And then this night shepherd starts to process all that. He says, it was that moment that I realized that my job was not so much to protect the sheep. It was to protect the sheep and this wolf. If I can keep the sheep safe from the wolf, the wolf is safe from all of us who would like to track him down in his natural place of living and being with other prey and other things to sustain him and keep him alive. I mean, it was really fascinating because I'm thinking one track mind, like you are a shepherd, you, you keep track of your sheep. If you are a shepherd, wolves are your enemy. And then he, at the end of this time, is processing and figuring out what was all of this about anyway. And it was not nearly as cut and dry as keeping the sheep 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 sheeps safe from the wolf um, it was helping in the middle of this wilderness to bring some peace some perspective and i think he got there he was saying there was a moment where a big snow came through um, and you can imagine snow in the alps you know is 50 centimeters i also have no idea what that is i don't know this much, that much. I don't know. It's a lot of centimeters. Um, and he was snowed into his little cabin. He couldn't get the door open. He couldn't wander out and be with the sheep. Um, so he said he just sat there. Um, and one would think, I would love to just sit somewhere quiet for a couple days. Wouldn't it be great if we actually had the snow day and we could just sort of be and hang out? He said that was his most trying time of the entire 90 days, was being stuck alone with his thoughts for a couple days. Just there. No one to talk to, no one to communicate with, no project to do, nothing to distract us or keep us busy, just alone in this tiny little cabin with his dog and all this canned food, just waiting and wondering and thinking and maybe praying. We have this weird image of the Spirit rushing Jesus out into the wilderness immediately. Mark doesn't waste any time. Everything happens for a reason. It happens right away. There's no description because there's no time. And the very first thing that happens after God says, this, this is what is about to happen. This is my son, the beloved. Then Jesus is whisked away into the wilderness. And what does that look like? I don't know. Does Jesus disappear? And everyone says, where did he go? Or does he start wandering home and he finds himself on a different path with no one around? I mean, we don't have any details. There's nothing to make this story really come alive or click or connect because it is just so sparse. But what we do know, what we can intuit and relate intimately to is that feeling of feeling alone or maybe even not alone, maybe surrounded with all sorts of things that we have carried or brought that hound us or haunt us or we wonder about, our curiosity coming into conflict with our sense of survival and figuring out a next step. 
this is the very first thing in Jesus' ministry that occurs. We talked about the calling of the disciples and the healing of people in the synagogue and Simon's mother-in-law, all these nice little moments where we see something that Jesus does that relates to our own understanding, healing people, saying nice things, helping people focus on God again. It all sounds great. The very first thing that Jesus does in his ministry that the Spirit pulls him to do is confront all of that evil in this world, all of those voices in our own head to stare down temptation and to engage. Because after all, once we have hope, a little glimmer of this vision that the world that we struggle sometimes in is not the world as God means it to be, once we have hope that God is up to something, that something beautiful is about to happen, is breaking forth, I mean, later Mark calls us the kingdom of God. Put another way, all of our designs and ideas and all the stuff we have messed up or by mistake gotten right, none of that really is the point. The point is that God is leading us all towards the place we're supposed to be. If only we could find it in ourselves to turn and appreciate and see us, see it. The thing that happens in this moment is that as soon as Jesus embraces that, hears that, hopes, believes in that, the Spirit pushes him into conflict with all of the junk in this world that pops up into our heads when we are alone with our thoughts with all the evil in this world that, that pops up in our lives an unexpected moment and calls us away from the facts of who we are. I think that we love to make light of or a boogeyman of things, ideas, people like Satan, evil personified, this epic battle of, of Jesus in the, in the wilderness, just duking it out. You can see the South Park episode out, right? Um, something that's tangible and real, and there's a victor, but the fact is, I think we all wrestle with evil personified or not in our own lives in little and big ways, and automatically, when we hope believe, have faith that there is something bigger and more beautiful that God is up to in this world, we are pushed into places that cause us to confront it. I mean, put another way, who has not had that thought that said, oh, I'm not enough. I need to do better. I need to change or be different. And God just directly refutes in Scripture and through Jesus' ministry, through all of the ways that we are affirmed and encountering others in our journeys in this world, God directly confronts that and says, no, first, foremost, you are beautiful and perfect just the way you are. You are made in God's image as you are meant to be. And do we all struggle and stumble? Sure, but that does not mean that you are not perfect and beautiful but man, in the wilderness, alone with our thoughts, it's easy for that to get knocked, chipped, questioned. And there are so many moments where we find things that do not build up ourselves or others, but they feel good or they're easy. And so we take that way out. And we know it's self-destructive or it hurts relationships. And yet, for whatever reason, we just find ourselves unable to, to change or move. And then we are confronted with this fact, this reality that we have been made to love God and love other people. And oh, if that does not give us the power to say no to all sorts of things that keep us from doing those two things, 
I mean, how easy is it to jump on the forum and spout off about some idea or thought that takes people down a notch, that judges this group over that group, that talks about all those people and these people, instead of realizing we are all God's people together moving towards something big and beautiful. If only we could set aside all of that temptation to try to get there first and realize we are all going to get there together. And I think the reason Jesus finds himself in the middle of the wilderness alone with his thoughts confronting evil is that that is the first thing that happens when we fully embrace the fact that God is doing something in this world. When we wrap our arms around the hope that that there is something bold and beautiful afoot, that it is for us that we are part of it. And then we cannot allow all of that other junk that creeps into our head to stick around. I mean, Jesus goes for 40 days and confronts it and deals with it and is not alone. I mean, I don't know what this means. I have no idea what image to have. The angels waited on him. I mean, in some way, his needs are provided for. He was able to do that work knowing that he was not totally separated from God's goodness and love and and hope that it was somehow there with him. And also surrounded by wild animals. Well, the guy and the Alps totally changed the way that I hear that. Who's ever been afraid of something you can't see and then you saw it and it wasn't that scary? Or afraid of something you didn't understand and then someone illuminated a little more about that thing and you were then curious? I think the beginning of Mark's gospel is a reminder of how we are to respond to this good news that Jesus is about to bring to recognize that there are so many temptations, there's so much stuff in our life that tries to chip away at the the truth, the hope that God is laying out in front of us, that we are made in God's image, that we are made to love God and one another, that God's kingdom, that, that some resolution to all of this conflict and chaos and challenge is coming that if we really are able to, to point ourselves, to, to turn just a little bit towards that, then may we boldly, with one another, confront all the stuff that crops up in our own wildernesses, all those voices that try to say so- things that are not true about ourselves or about others, all those instincts that we have to climb our way to the top no matter who we have to step on, all those things that say it's about me making it first and then I'll put the oxygen mask on somebody else's face. May we allow ourselves boldly to go into the wilderness together and confront all of that junk so that then we are able to come out knowing that God is with us, that hope still survives, that something is afoot and we are a part of it. I have given up numerous things for Lent. I've taken on activities during this time that I thought would edify myself and make me feel better or get me closer toward the habit I wish I had instead of one I wish I didn't. And Jesus sort of, I think, I'm going to say giggles at the idea that eating a little less chocolate for 40 days really gets to the point. Um, Or that if you're setting aside four-letter words for 40 days, suddenly the day after Easter, it all just comes flooding back out for everybody in your life. I mean, I 
think that we are called to something so much bigger and bolder in this time of Lent than just trying to set aside a few little things. We are called to stare straight into the wilderness, to confront all of the temptation, the evil, the junk that tries to tell us that we are something we are not that others are something they are not, and instead to turn once again towards this reminder that God is present in each and every one of our lives, that we are all made as we are meant to be, that we are able to love God and love others, and then God's kingdom will start to take shape in tangible ways around us. Amen?